that moment more than anything before or since. I just wanted to know him. I, I, I didn't want to be religious. You know, I wouldn't, it wasn't about you know, joining a church or a, a movement. I just wanted to know him. And that night, man, I dropped to my knees and, and uh, I just said, God, forgive me. You know, I, I want to know you. And it um, wasn't a rehearsed prayer or anything. It was just an honest cry, bag out plea. Would you just enter my life? This is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and today I am honored to welcome Jay Louder on the phone line. Jay, are you there? Yeah, I am. Great to be with you today. Great to be with you, too. I know that you're an author, evangelist, and founder of Jay Louder Harvest Ministries, so I think today is going to be a really interesting discussion with you. Well, I'm excited about uh, being on the program. I, I'm, I'm really excited to have you. So, first off, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. It's cold weather, and uh, so in Texas, that's always a great break, so we're doing good. <laughs> Absolutely. In Florida, where I'm recording from, it's still super warm and hot outside, so I'm about ready for that uh, Christmas cold to come in. <laughs> All right, so I know that you have a really powerful testimony, and as someone who loves to hear other people's stories, would you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, grew up in a Christian home, and uh, we went to church pretty much all the time. When I was a young boy, my parents led me into a prayer. I didn't really understand it. It wasn't that I was being deceptive. I I just knew that I didn't want to go to hell. But uh, any concept of repentance or true salvation, I I really didn't have any understanding of that. The following week, I walked an aisle, shook a preacher's hand, and was baptized. And so pretty much spent the rest of my life believing that I was a Christian based on a prayer I prayed that I really didn't know or un- understand. I got into high school and I fell victim to some of the things, some, some of the many things that teenagers fall victim to. Ended up, um, went off to college and uh, by the time I got put on academic probation, moved back to my home city and uh, really my world fell apart. I lost the things that were most important to me as a 21 year old young man, which was my job, my car, my girlfriend fighting a lot of depression, um, not knowing how to escape that. Um, I really dove headfirst into, um, you know, I I just try to drown my problems, I guess you could say. And, uh, you know, just looking for an escape. You know, everybody, a lot of people um, try to do that. They try to find some way to escape the pain or the darkness. And that's really where I was. I contemplated committing suicide for quite some time. And um, finally, one day, it it just all came to a head. Woke up about 12 o'clock in the afternoon, walked in the bathroom like I did every day, splashed cold water on my face, and for some reason just saw myself for who I really was, you know, a guy that uh, was a college dropout, a guy that was living on government unemployment that couldn't work because of uh, an alcohol addiction and decided I'd end my life. Uh, walked back to the sofa, which was my bed, and I took out a twenty-two caliber pistol, loaded all nine cylinders, pointed the gun to the right side of my head, and really my life boiled down to two questions, and that was number one, is the gun strong enough to kill me because I didn't want my mom to have to take care of somebody who was in a vegetable state? And question number two, when I die, will I go to heaven or hell? And, of course, at that point, I didn't know if there was a heaven or hell. And uh, put my finger on the trigger and began to squeeze. My roommate, who worked for his father, um, who never before or after um, had the experience that he did that day, his dad said, hey, I want you to take the rest of the day off with pay. And so, literally, I I heard his car pull up on the gravel driveway. 
just as the moment I was squeezing the trigger. I looked out the blind, saw it was him, disengaged the hammer. And uh, that's really uh, what God used to prevent me ending my life. Wow, that that is that is quite an uh, amazing miracle then of God just working that timing out so perfectly. So then how did you go from that point to entering ministry? Well, actually, um, my roommate, the same guy, had gotten, he'd received Christ several months before. He came home one night, and we'd often go to a place called the Rock Inn. It was just an old seedy bar. Most people there were about 30 years our senior, 40 years our senior. And uh, he came home and said, man, I'm not going anymore. I'm at Christ. I'm like, come on, man. I've been there, done that. That's not real. But I saw a real change in his life. I mean, this guy, he grew up in California. And, um, I mean, here's a guy, he didn't grow up like I did. And every night he was reading his Bible, and he was going through this uh, new book for new believers. And when he'd go to bed, I'd sneak off the sofa and go slip in and, and then read the things that he wrote. So I saw a real change in his life. And then after the suicide attempt, uh, which, again, I, I'd been contemplating this for months. I went by my parents' house, and um, my, I heard my mom call my name. I was washing some clothes. I walked in the den. She pointed to the TV. There was a commercial on. And they were having a big outreach, uh, a citywide outreach in our city, a, a crusade. Now, my mom knew that I was out in left field. I mean, she knew that my life was jacked up, but she had no idea that uh, I'd been contemplating ending my life. And so she invited me to come. And originally I said no, but when I saw the commercial, the guy had attempted suicide. So I really went under the premise, her not knowing, by the way, went under the premise of thinking, well, since this guy is somebody who's also struggled with suicide, maybe I can pick up something from his story that can help me get out of this dungeon of darkness that I'm in. But the night I got there, he didn't say anything about his story. All he talked about, he went through a graphic step-by-step betrayal uh, description of the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. And he got to the very end. He quoted John 3:36. He that has a son has life. He who doesn't have the son does not have life. And I'm like, man, that's me, you know. I mean, I've got an existence, but I don't have a life. I mean, I'm just, I'm a guy that's just breathing. You know, I've got no reason to live. There's no purpose. There's no meaning. And then he said this. He said, for some of you, you know, you grew up in church. You've heard about Jesus all your life. You've got some fake, phony religion, but you've never truly repented of your sins. And this may be the last opportunity where God's Spirit will knock on the door of your heart. Man, um, you know, it's hard for me not to get emotional about it even this day because when he said that, I'm like, man, that's me, you know. I mean, I've had all these opportunities. I grew up in church, and you know, I'm, not, I'm not a believer. I mean, there's nothing real, man. It's a, this is a facade. And at that moment, more than anything before or since, I just wanted to know him. I, I, I didn't want to be religious. You know, wasn't, it wasn't about, you know, joining a church or a, a movement. I just wanted to know him. And that night, man, I dropped to my knees and, and uh, I just said, God, forgive me. You know, I, I want to know you. And, um, it wasn't a rehearsed prayer or anything. It was just an honest cry, bag out plea. Would you just enter my life? And uh, so anyway, when I got saved, all I wanted to do was help other people find the hope that I found. And uh, that's all that mattered to me. I just, I knew, you know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, somebody blew a trumpet or an angel came and visited me. I just knew that I wanted to spend the rest of my life doing anything that I could to help other people in the same way that I'd been helped. That's a really amazing story. Now, one thing that 
I know from looking at just some of the stuff that you're working on now is you've got a brand new TV show coming out that's really trying to help bring hope to people who are in a similar place that you were before. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, my um, my experience and my suicidal tendencies and and the struggle I had with alcohol and depression, you know, does does play a role in that. I was in New York City on family vacation a few years ago, about four years ago. And uh, I don't know, I just turned to my wife, a thought came into my mind. I said, you know, this isn't Texas, which is where we live. And I said, there are literally millions of people here in New York who really don't know what it means to have a relationship to Christ. And there's got to be some way to reach them. And I said, you know, if we rented out Madison Square Garden, the people that we're trying to connect with, they wouldn't come because God's not on their radar. And I just stood there in Grand Central Station just watching these hordes of people and so I began to pray and say, God, you know, what can we do that's unconventional? And then uh, about three months later, I got stuck in a traffic jam. I was doing a television show in L.A., and we were literally parked on the freeway. And my wife was with me again, and I said, you know, this is just like New York. This isn't Texas either, and there are millions of people out here who, a lot like some of the people in New York, man, they just don't know. And so anyway, from that uh, just came this burning desire to figure out a way that we could do something that would be unique, that would be different, that would be out of the box, that people would watch. Because, you know, my experience is unsaved people, they, non-believers, they, they don't watch Christian programming. I mean, they don't, they don't watch preachers. And so the idea came about to launch a television show that would be on secular television, Friday and Saturday nights, late at night, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, people coming in from parties or people that couldn't sleep, and it would be story-based. It wouldn't be, uh, you know, me preaching from a platform like I often do. It'd be story-based. And so... We found people that literally, when we have former strippers, we have people that have served time for murder, we have former military guys that have lost limbs, we have a girl that was gang raped. I mean, the list goes on, <clears throat> excuse me, on and on. And so what we do is we just, they tell their story. And nothing about God or Jesus is mentioned until about the last six minutes of the program. And then they explain the hope that they found in Christ and how that turned their life around. And then I take about three minutes and then just give a microcosm of my own testimony and how I found hope. And so um, it's kind of crazy because when we first launched, people were like, well, okay, well, what are you selling? Nothing. Are you raising money on the television program? No. Are you asking for money on the television program? No. Well, nobody could wrap their mind around the fact that we were doing this television program and we were doing it just for the reason of trying to reach people. But that's really what it's about. I mean, it's about trying to reach people who were, who are where I used to be at 21 years of age. So then what are you hoping that people are able to take away from this? Well, we're already seeing this. I mean, I'll give you an example. Just last weekend, um, our show was national. When I say national, it was on the Discovery Network. It came on at 1 o'clock in the morning. So it didn't matter whether you lived in Texas, New York, Rhode Island, wherever, you got the program. Well, we literally were contacted from all over the United States of people who couldn't sleep, woke up in the middle of the night, flipping channels, came in from a party. I mean, we had a guy contact us two days ago that literally got out of prison the day before and uh, was staying at a relative's house and flipping channels. So what we hope is is that people find the ultimate solution, the ultimate answer, not religion, not a denomination, but a personal relationship, one-on-one encounter with Jesus Christ. So then if people want to watch the show, where can they do that? What what channels is it on? 
Yeah, well, it's on different networks. That's the what's unique about it. We have several different programs, and they air on different networks. Like this weekend, it'll be on ABC Family. It's actually called Freeform now, but it's on numerous different networks. They can go to the Darkest Hour dot TV. From there, not only can they watch. Um, the extended versions of the stories that are on the television program. There are stories of other people, as well as they can find out how they can begin a relationship to Christ. They can get a free copy of my book, no strings attached. And then last but not least, if they want to, they can share their own story as a means to help other people. Now, on a broader note, I really liked what you were bringing up before about how the show is reaching people who wouldn't normally watch Christian programming, who wouldn't normally go to a church or a Christian event. And I guess for a lot of our listeners who are mostly, who are predominantly believers, what can they be doing to reach out to or help non-believing friends who may be going through these same problems? Well, for me, um, from the time I met Christ, I just knew that I wanted to, to, to reach people that I knew that didn't know Christ. So I started with my, um, I guess you could say, my Jerusalem, the people closest to me. And then over time, it's branched out from there. I, I wanted to do something, but I'm like, well, what can I do? I mean, I don't have a degree in seminary. I've not been to Bible college. I'm just a guy that met Jesus. So I began to look for avenues of, 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 of how can I have an impact. Well, I went down to the homeless shelter, and so I started preaching at the homeless shelter, feeding people. From there, um, when I got back in college, we uh, started a street witnessing team. So, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, if somebody really wants to use their story, their platform, wants to reach nonbelievers, I mean, there's so many different avenues. There's homeless shelters. There's battered women's centers. And, then, of course, all of us have a network of friends who we know that are unsaved. And that's one of the reasons that we, I mean, it's not the primary reason. The primary reason for the darkest hour is to reach nonbelievers. But what we've done is we've made it easy. So if you know somebody that you think could relate to one of the stories, you can go to the darkesthour.tv and you can email or text them one of those stories. Maybe it's a brother-in-law or a co-worker. Maybe you just feel like you don't know what to say. Or maybe you feel intimidated. Well, hey, that's okay. Go to the Darkest Hour TV. Find a story that you think connects with somebody who you're trying to reach and text or email them the story. It's so simple. I think it's really cool. One, one thing I just picked up on while we were doing this interview is that every time I ask a question, you have like a story as an answer. And when you have the, when you have the show, it's highlighting people's stories. And I guess as someone myself who loves stories, what is it about stories that you think is so powerful to reach hurting people? I don't mean to laugh, but you know, I'm not even cognizant of that. <laughs> but I, I guess, I mean, and again, I don't want to try to sound spiritual here, but there's a couple of different things that I've got to say. Number one, study the life of Jesus. And you'll notice that he always used the power of a story. It may have been sheep, it may have been goats, it may have been a field, it may have been a treasure, uh, it may have been a pearl. I mean, he always used story because he knew the power of story. And you'll even see that on television. If you see a commercial for a food place or uh, weight loss, what do you always see? You always see someone there who's saying, I was there. I did this. This worked for me. And so people, everybody identifies with a story. That's why they watch TV. That's why they go to the movies. That's why they read a book. It, it's a way to bring light to something uh, and make it practical that otherwise wouldn't be known. And then last but not least, the greatest reason to use stories found in Revelation twelve eleven, And I'll quote it to you. It says, they overcame him. Who is him? It's the powers of darkness. It's, it's the enemy. It says, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, which, of course, we know is the crucifixion of Christ, and by the word of their story, the word of their testimony. 
So, you know, you can debate theology and, and, and doctrine all day long, but what you can't debate is I'm a new man. Uh, it's funny, right before you called, I was doing some cleaning here in my office, and I found an old picture, and it was me holding a 12-pack of Coors Light. I actually posted it on Facebook with a 2 Corinthians 5.17 verse that says, if a man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. So everybody loves a story. I love that. As, as a story guy myself, that's just Everything about that resonates for me, and it's really cool to just hear you articulate it that way. Uh, one more question I had for you today, then. If we have listeners right now, and I'm sure we do, who may be going through depression or a difficult season in life, who might be thinking about suicide, do you have a message of hope for them today? Well, absolutely I do. I mean, I know there are different components and different reasons that people battle with this issue. And there's a misconception that, you know, well, this just affects the young teenagers or people who are elderly that have a death sentence of some illness. But it's not true. It impacts literally every level of society. And there's a certain stigma. Like me, I was afraid to tell anybody um, how deep I was in the quicksand because I felt like I would be judged. And quite honestly, this happens in the church. Um, you know, some people are, are almost shamed. Well, you're not praying enough. You're not reading your Bible enough. And the truth of the matter is, is just because you're a believer doesn't mean that you can't struggle with any sin, no matter what it is. So, you know, do I believe that um, in the power of Christ and a relationship with Him that can alleviate those? Absolutely. And for me, when I met Jesus, those disappeared. However, I know people that fight clinical depression that are still struggling with it. So there's several things they can do. Now, of course, we don't want to alleviate the obvious, and that is a constant a vigil of seeking God and spending time in His Word and praying and battling against the forces of darkness. But, but it doesn't always stop there. For some people, they literally need to go and get um, professional help. That may be counseling. It may be medication. My wife wouldn't mind me sharing after we had our third child um, her serotonin, now I'm, not a, I'm not a doctor, but her serotonin level got off, and my wife went through depression and had never struggled with depression in her life. But she went to the doctor, and it was diagnosed, and they gave her some medication that leveled out those chemical imbalances, and she was fine. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with uh, uh, professional help, whether that be counseling, whether that be a doctor. And, of course, ultimately, you know, I still believe that even if it is a counselor that God uses or if it is a doctor, it's still God. It's that dependence on God and rec recognizing that a lot of the struggles we have in different areas of life are, are, are due to the, the forces of darkness. Now, you said earlier that if people want to find out where, when your program is airing, they can go to thedarkesthour.tv. For the rest of your ministry, for the rest of the projects or books that you have, where can people go to see what you're doing? Yeah, honestly, they can go to jlouder.com. It's not spelled L-O-U-D-E-R. It's spelled L-O-W-D-E-R. But if they just Google my name, quite honestly, I mean, I do a lot of writing. Um, I'm guest sometimes on Fox, sometimes on CNN. So, I mean, there's literally pages and pages of articles, uh, uh, books, periodicals, interviews, uh, sermons. I mean, uh, school assembly talks, substance abuse talks, suicide talks. I mean, there's just a, there's literally pages of stuff that they can get either at jlouder.com or just by Googling my name. Well, Jay, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. Hey, thanks for the invite. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And we've loved just hearing your heart on these issues and hearing your story, really. Would you mind closing us out with a word of prayer? Man, I'd love to. God, I just pray today. 
for people who are listening to this podcast. God, people who maybe don't even normally listen or maybe people who are new to listening. God, you know their struggles. Uh, You know their pains. You know their victories. You know their defeats. And God, I would just pray that right now, right where they're at, they would sense your presence and your power. God, I pray that they would sense your peace. You said that you came to bring peace. And God, I pray that you would give them just an inner sense of peace that you care, that you know, and that if they'll walk with you and depend on you, that you can put all the broken pieces back together. And then, Lord, last but not least, if there are people that are listening to uh, this interview today, Lord, maybe they're like me. They grew up in church. Maybe like me, were even baptized several times. But they've never really entered a true relationship with you. Lord, I pray your spirit would show them that and that they would realize it's as simple as confessing their sin, being willing to turn from that sin through repentance, and putting their faith in you. I pray in Christ's name, knowing that you hear me, O God. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Jay Louder on Charisma Connection here on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and thanks for joining us. Today's episode is brought to you by the Evangelical Christian Credit Union. What you believe matters and what you value matters, so where you bank should matter too. At ECCU, every dollar you spend or save is supporting ministry like loans to churches and banking services for missionaries. Ask yourself, what does your current bank do with your money? If you don't know the answer or you don't like the answer, it might be time for a change. Visit www.eccu.org to see ECCU's competitive checking, savings, credit cards, and auto loans. That's eccu.org. Or call 1-800-634-ECCU to learn more about how your money can build ministry. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.